Good evening, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Across the Tracks podcast. I'd like to welcome the masters of the ones and twos, my partner Wayne, and I am Steve, the editor and engineer. We hope you enjoy tonight's topics of discussions because we're going to say it the way we see it. Good evening and welcome to the Across the Tracks podcast. It is 1 November, November the 1st. Happy post-trick-or-treat. Hope you had a safe and enjoyable Halloween. I am Wayne. And I am Steve. Good evening, good evening, good evening. No trick-or-treating at the Johnson household last night. Curtains were closed, lights were out. (laughs) Likewise here, man. We turned the lights out and uh, I saw a few kids around the neighborhood, but... COVID has just killed everything, and that includes all the ghouls and goblins that normally roam around. So, and it's very rare here. Usually on Halloween uh, in Colorado, we got freezing rain, snow, or something. But last night, it was about 50, 56, 55 degrees, very warm. Great night for the kids to be out, but COVID just killed it. You know, there there were a few places lit up, uh, a few houses passing out candy. But for most of the houses on our street, the lights were out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I understand. There's a there's a couple across the street from us that has two little kids, and we just went out and bought them a couple candy bars and said, yeah. hey, "Here you go. You know, there's no sense of coming over here." Uh, we gave them a couple candy bars, and I think they went someplace else. So yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah, it's a shame, you know, that uh, COVID has put a damper on so many festivities, man. And here we go. We're going into the holiday season full bore now. And Thanksgiving, Christmas going to be big different this year. Big difference this year. So, yes, sir. But we carry on. We continue to mask up social distance and, uh, you know, keep riding it out. You know, at some point uh, we'll see the other side. So. Some year. <laughs> Some year. <laughs> <laughs> Some year. Yay. So what do we have on tap for tonight, my brother? What do well, we have? Well, we have a, we have a few topics that we want to talk about. There's a couple memorials that we want to um yes. uh, mention. Yes. Uh we want to talk about dumbass statements by uh the current occupants' relatives. <laughs> and we want to um talk about a lawsuit. Uh, going on in Louisville Uh, and then um, maybe talk about some other issues that we see as things that we just want to discuss so um, yeah that's where we want to do that's where we want to start and I want to start let you kick it off and we want to start with uh, our memorials okay I'll let you start that Cool. Let's 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 kick it off. Uh, as usual, we uh, we here on the Across the Tracks podcast, we seem to to have a little segment at the top of the show where we talk about folks who have passed on, who are no longer with us, and the um, um, legacy that they left behind. So one of the folks we want to talk about tonight, who passed yesterday, was Rance Allen, uh, Bishop Rance Allen, and he was the leader of the Rance Allen Group. Uh, they were a gospel group. Uh, Rance Allen and his brothers uh, formed that group. Uh, they were one of the, what did I say it at the time, probably one of the uh, first contemporary gospel 
uh, groups, uh, Ransal, and also crossed over into um, secular music as well, uh, but a huge uh, legacy in the gospel music realm. Um, I've got a lot of his stuff on my uh, in my library. Uh, one of the one of his favorite songs I like by him is um, "Stood on the Banks of Jordan," and that's that's uh, I love that song. He does it, uh, puts a lot of feeling into it, uh, makes you feel it. But he passed yesterday, seventy one years old. Uh, so I want to say rest in peace to Mr. Rance Allen, Bishop Rance Allen. Um, the other um, memorial we want to talk about, and this one, uh, wow, uh, I was. Uh, my daughter texted me early yesterday morning um, and said, hey, did you hear that uh, Sean Connery had passed? And I'm like, whoa, man, I think if, if, if you agree with me or not agree with me, the best James Bond ever. Okay? The best. Yes, when, when, I agree. 100%. Talk, yes. When you talk James Bond, he is Bond. James Bond <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, passed away yesterday. Sir Sean Connery passed away um, yesterday at the age of 90. And uh, man, what a career. Uh, your thoughts? The best James Bond um, by, I mean, he was the James Bond of our youth. Yes. And uh, believe it or not, he wasn't the first person that played James Bond. Did you know that? No, I did not. The first person that played James Bond played in Casino Royale was David Niven. Ah, oh, that's yeah, a good piece of history. Yeah, yeah back way back in the fifties, there's Casino. The first Casino Royale, yes, was David Niven's, and he played James Bond in that. But we know Sean Connery, Sir Sean Connery, as the uh, first first James Bond, and the one that most people recognize from our age as yes. the best John Bond, James Bond. Yes. And the thing that I the thing that I remember about his James Bond is that he always and the writers Ian Fleming and the the the, the directors always put in a little humor, a little suspense, a little action, a little sexiness to it. And yep. some of and some of the sexiness to it as a kid growing up, I didn't get, you know, for example, you know, my favorite James Bond movies, there's two, my two favorite James Bond movies, Sean Connery was in. The first one would be Goldfinger. Yep. And, and the second one was Thunderball. Those okay. are my two, my two best <laughs> James Bond movies. And at the time, not knowing that the sexiness put into James Bond was usually in the female love interest that James Bond had. Right. And the and, and you know when you think about Goldfinger, I mean, as a kid, I didn't think anything about pussy galore. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was just a name. Right, right. As I got older, I'm like, man, that was pretty slick. Yep, yep. (laughs) Pussy galore. (laughs) You know, pussy galore. That's something that that's something that we say or said, and not thinking it in terms of James Bond, thinking it in terms of going to a disco, going to a club, and seeing all these beautiful women in there. I've used that term. 
<laughs> thinking about James Bond. I'm like, man, they were way ahead of their time. Yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah. the the names of some of the um, some of the uh, ladies, some of his love interests in some of the Bond movies were just, you know, just great. Like Honey Rider, yeah. Rider, yeah. you know, um, Solitaire, you know, just, just, just some, just great names, you yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's what I think. To me, James Bond, I, I love the entire series, but Sean Connery uh, was the best. You yeah. Know? yeah. And, yeah. What do you what do you think? Oh, I I I I, I agree with you. I uh, Goldfinger, uh, one of my favorites, and then I I like Diamonds Are Forever. Okay, uh, that that's that's another good one. Uh, but man, uh, he brought the um, you know it was cool. You know it was it was a, it was an air of cool about Sean Connery playing James Bond. I like Roger Moore. Yep, you know, he was when, good. When you racking and stacking, I like Roger Moore, but above yeah. and beyond, man, Sean Connery. And then, you know, some of the other great work that he did, uh, uh, Finding Forrester, another yep. movie that I love, man. He played uh, the, the mentor type character in that movie. I uh, love that. And then his character that he played, the beat cop in The Untouchables, uh, yes. Kevin Costner's sidekick in The Untouchables. And he won an Oscar for that movie. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, man, what a legacy of work. But uh, by and far, um, James Bond is his is his signature role. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned Goldfinger, the young lady that uh, was painted gold in that movie, in that flick. Uh-huh. Uh, she passed away here uh, a few weeks ago, I believe. Oh, really? Yeah, she passed away a few weeks ago. Hmm. But yeah, uh, man, what a what a star, what a legend! I tell and you what, his one of his latest films, and probably not his last film, but maybe it was his last film, the the uh, Indiana Jones. Yes, and yeah. the Last Crusade. He was yep. just hilarious in yep, that one. Yep, yep. yep I mean, yep, that yep. was my favorite uh, Indiana Jones of all of the all of the series. The Last Crusade was my favorite. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. He and, he, uh, he played a great great role in that. Yeah. It was funny and hilarious, you know, and it was suspenseful. And you know, and even in that, you know, that movie itself, there was intrigue. There was, you know, there's always a love interest, yep. and there's always comic comedy in there, yep. you know. So, and he, you know, the scene with the umbrella and chewing the shooing the geese away and flying into the plane. That was just, that was hilarious. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 No, another legend, man, you know, that has, uh, has left us and it, like, wow, man, it seems like all these, again, we mentioned before, a lot of these folks that we grew up with, you know, doing our, doing our youth, it's like, man, <laughs> they're passing on now. I'm sorry. I just, I just saw another, I just what? happened. I just happened to see another name for one of the Bond girls. Oh, oh, which one was that? Holly Goodhead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they were so sneaky. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and I think you know that 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 uh, the Bond girls, you know, the the the, the women who played the Bond girls. Uh, it added like in uh, Diamonds Are Forever, uh, uh-huh. Jill St. John is yep. is in there is in that role. She plays uh, the love interest 
of Sean Connery. She, and, she plays uh, Tiffany Case. Tiffany Case, yep. Diamonds and, are forever, Tiffany. Yep, yep, they, yep. They're so slick. They were so yeah, slick. Tiffany Case. Man. I'm like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> now, now that you know, you know, at, at the time, you didn't think anything about it. But now you're like, ah, oh, man, this is smooth. This is smooth. You know, so um, it, it's, man, sad. But uh, again, uh, Sir Sean Connery, James Bond, the one and only James Bond. Uh, rest in peace uh, to Mr. Sean Connery. So, Absolutely. Yes. So segueing into our uh, topics for tonight, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you start it off because um, you brought it to my attention. You said, yeah, we need to talk about this. And I said, absolutely, we need to talk about this. And uh, you mentioned at the top, uh, the current occupant, uh, one of his relatives made some comments this past week that caused a stir within the black community. And that's all I'll say. I'll turn it over to you, my friend. And well, let you I, <laughs> I tell you, I've had it up to here. <laughs> wow. You know, it's we're three days away from election, and I pray that the current occupant is voted out so that all his minions are voted out as well. And I mean, I'm real hesitant about saying that, but I wish it it happens. I really do, because this country is in, in dire straits with the leadership that we have. The thing that that got me upset with this one is the fact that privilege, white privilege, you can't say it enough. And there's, this is going to lead to another little story I'll tell you about in a little bit. And the issue is uh, the senior advisor to the current occupant, Jared Kushner, is or was having an interview with a a news outlet. And he had the nerve to say that black folks, the black community needs to want to be successful. The black community needs to want to be successful. Basically meaning that Black folks are shiftless, lazy. We have no future. We have nothing that's guiding us. We have no principles. There's nothing that we uh, want to obtain. We don't believe in anything like achievement. Any of that. That slapped me. That slapped me across my face, and for my first thoughts was, who in the hell is this punk that can say that black folks need to want to be successful? He doesn't realize he is so above or unaware of the success that black folks has had throughout American history. He's denying people like Louis Armstrong, Langston Hughes, 
you know, Charles Drew, Elder Watson Diggs, and many more, Madam C.J. Walker, if according to his thoughts that black folks want to be successful, Colin Powell, then he never would have been where he is right now. Or Barack Obama never would be where he's at right now. That is, it, it reminds me of when Newt Gingrich said back in probably 2000 or something like that, that black folks don't have anybody to look up to. There are no role models. That is the dumbest shit that I've ever heard before. And Jared Kushner, the only reason that he's in his in the position that he is is because he's married to the current occupant's daughter. You know, he needs to get a new job. It just it just strikes me that an individual that way can look at folks and say, you need to do better and you don't want to do better. But yet his father-in-law said, look what I've done for the black community. Uh, Does that mean that the black community is not looking forward? Don't want to be successful? Does that mean that 50 Cent, Ice Cube, and Lil Wayne don't want to be successful? Because they're saying they're going to vote for the son of a bitch. Right, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. They're success. They're successful enough that they don't want their taxes raised. Is that is that what it is? Is it is it that Ronald Wayne Nelson, who left Elizabethtown back in the 1980s, went into the Air Force, got spent 20 years, and now is working in corporate America? Does that mean that he's not doesn't want to be successful? Mm-hmm. I don't get it. I don't get it. So that's just a slap in our face. That's a slap in the black community's face. That's a slap in anybody's face that that wants to uh, improve their their stature in life and so on. That's just my thoughts. He's a dumb ass. And I hope his father-in-law loses so we can get rid of all of those all of that. All of those son of a bitches that uh, that only that are only at the White House because of their uh, dumb ass father-in-law. Yep, yep. I I, uh, I I I heard that. I'm like, man, this dude is he's freaking clueless. And and I, you know, Spike Spike Lee really went off on him on uh, on the Joe Madison show. I don't know if you ever watched listen. To I listened of, to that the, the Black yep, Eagle. <laughs> yep, I was listening to it the other morning. Man, Spike, Spike was on. Did him up, man. Yes. And and it's the classic thing of white folks telling or trying to tell black people. What we need to do, or what we need, you know, haven't done, or this, dude, you you don't know any black people other than the people who are hanging around your dad, your your father-in-law, for whatever reason. I mean, he he misses the he misses the whole mark because one, despite the odds, the systemic racism, the systems that have been set up since this country was formed to deny black people the opportunity. Black people succeeded despite that. There would have been no Negro Leagues if black people didn't want to be successful. There wouldn't have been the 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 uh, the, the uh, Montgomery uh, boycott, bus boycott. 
People wanted to be successful. They wanted better for themselves. I mean, like you mentioned, a lot of people. We have a legacy of black people who, despite the odds, triumphed to the highest levels of whatever atmosphere or sphere they found themselves in. And for him, like you said, it's a slap in the face of the black community, man. Slap in the face. So, yes, he needs to go. All the minions, all the sycophants that are around the current occupant, when when this goes down Tuesday, the way we hope it goes down, they will all be gone. And uh, this lunacy that surrounds this administration will be done with. And maybe this country can get back to some peace. But um, I, I, man, the black community need, if this doesn't cause us to want to band together and, 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 you know, take our collective power, the power that we have economically and other areas that we have control, we need now to rise up and show these people like, hell yeah, we, we, we want to be successful. We are successful. You know, Bob Johnson, Oprah Winfrey, LeBron James. I mean, and like you say, you mentioned me. I look at you. You left E-Town just like I did. You wanted to pursue higher education. And you realize, hey, my, my parents can't do this. I need to find a way. And you found a way to do that. And you got your college education. You became an educator, teaching other young people to strive to be their best. But you don't want to be successful. I mean, that is the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. And so uh, I am with you, man. I am with you. It is a it is a true slap in the face. And we've got dumb black people standing by endorsing his father-in-law being used uh, for a photo op or whatever. It, it's it's shameful, man. It is shameful. So um, I, I'm, I'm hoping that we have a great outcome uh, this Tuesday. And like I said, all these sycophants and hangers on and minions, whatever you want to call them, they're out. They're out. And this country can move forward to a to a better, higher, better and higher plane than where we are right now. So, you know, to go along with that, Wayne, uh, this past week I was over at the school. I go over there and lift weights three, three days a week. And <clears throat> just after the shooting of the, the guy in uh, Philadelphia. Uh, kid that had a knife and a cop shot him and so on. So the basketball coach was in the weight room and he wanted, he brought up the, the, the cop shooting the, the kid that had the knife and the rioting, the looting that started. And he was saying, basically trying to say, I don't understand what's going on with all that. You know how, you know, the kid had a knife and he had the knife coming towards him. What are the cops supposed to do? You know, and my first thoughts was he had a knife. You got tasers. Tase the right. son of a bitch. Right. Okay. And the the brother of the guy that was killed called the police and said, hey, my brother is he's out of his mind. He's he's got mental issues. And there was people trying to stop him from doing that. He had mental issues. Right. Right. And so this basketball coach said, you know, I talk to my son about that all the time. You know, if the cops are pulled over and whatnot, you know, this is what you should do and so on. And I said, you know, that's all good. But 
you're you telling your son what to do when the cops pulled you over and me telling my son what to do is night and day. Yeah. You know, your son being pulled over by the cops has probably an 80 to 90 percent chance of not being killed. My son being pulled over has a 50 50 chance of being killed. Yep. You know, so you can't equate that. You talking to your son and me talking to my son. Yeah, we do the same thing. But just the fact that your son is white, my son is black. My son has got a 50, 50, 50 chance or less to being uh, harassed, hurt or shot and killed by the police. Yep. And, and you, he didn't even realize that that's privilege. That's yep. white privilege. When it came out of his mouth, he didn't even realize that he was talking about white privilege. I can yep. say this to my son and didn't even think about, you yep. know, you yep. know, Alex or my, my son has a 50 50 chance yep. because they don't understand that. And yep. just like this dumbass, he has no idea that the reason that he got his shot in life was that he had privilege. His parents had money. And, yep. and so on. And why do you think he married Ivanka Trump? <laughs> yeah. Do you think they just met in college or something? Right, right. It was privilege. I'm going to set you up with him. And, and yep. I guarantee you, the current occupant only had his daughter to meet him because he was going to get something out of it. He's right. a user. Right. He right. uses That's these people that right. are out there. Right. All these people that you said are sick offense. Yeah. All these people are being used by him. He don't yep. give a shit about the average American. Nope. He only gives nope. a shit about himself and what he can use those people to get right. what he wants. So, right. I, you know, that's right. where I'm at. I'm sorry to go on on that, but oh. I thought I'd bring thought uh, I'd no, bring that because, up because it was a conversation. Right. Be, because we we that, that happens all the time, man. White folks want to tell they want to tell us how we should feel about a certain situation that you don't know nothing about because you've never it never it never affects you. But yet you got an opinion about it. And I was watching a uh, I was watching a clip the other night. I think it was uh, Lester Holt was doing his across America type thing, interviewing voters across America. And he was in somewhere in Pennsylvania, some town in Pennsylvania, and he was interviewing these four women. One was black, the other three were white, and they were probably they were probably in their sixties, maybe seventies. And so the black lady brought up, you know, he said, "Hey, who do you think you're going to vote for in this election?" And so she's like, "I'm voting for Joe Biden," you know, and she laid out why she's voting for Joe Biden. And so um, she brought up the fact, you know, we we need to stop this racial inequality going on in in the country. Well, the one of the white lady said. There's no racial inequality in this country. What are you talking about? I've said, I am tired of people talking about systemic racism. There is no systemic racism in this country. And I'm like, so sitting there listening to these women like, are you shitting me? And then this one other lady said, well, you know, they would always complain about the police. If they would just comply. <laughs> yeah. If they would just comply. And I'm thinking, like, when was the last time you turned on the TV and saw white young white men getting shot down in the street or having a cop stand on their neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds or jogging in the neighborhood and somebody thinks they're suspect and they get in a truck and run them down and kill them? 
I, I'm not seeing that every night on my TV, but I'm seeing that happening to us all the time. But they don't see that because it doesn't affect them. But yet they want to pass their judgment on black America and say, see, if you would just do this, your life would be better when you know nothing about our lives. You know nothing about us. And so you're 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 dead right, man. You are dead right. And I do believe because Kushner's family, they're 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 well to do people as well. And I do believe Trump figured like, ooh, my daughter can hook up with this guy. And yeah, there'll be something I can get out of this deal because that's who he is. He's a pimp. He's a pimp, man. <laughs> He's a pimp. And uh, I, oh, gosh, you're you're right, man. We uh, we can get real heated over this mess. But I think we agree that, you know, we don't we're tired. We're tired of white America telling us how we should feel or what ambitions we hold, or we don't want to work hard, we want to do this, when if, if you know anything about us, we have endured over time. We have endured and we're still here. We have survived slavery. We survived Jim Crow. We have survived all the tactics that this country can throw up against black and brown people in this country. We're still here and we're not going anywhere. And as we say, we're just saying it like we like like we see it. We're saying it like we see it, and uh, and that's the way it is. And so I'm I'm with you, my man. I'm with you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I, I we won't talk about Kushner no more. He he as as Spike called him, he's a punk ass. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, and, that was and, a good interview. <laughs> he's a he's a punk ass. And Spike said, "Yeah, come on up into Harlem and Brooklyn and, and be shooting your mouth off with yeah, that stuff." <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Come on up into the hood and, and spout that foolishness. But but <laughs> you know he he's not going to do that. He is not going to talk to any black people. I I remember he made the statement. Back when the NBA, um, they were doing their protest over the killing of Breonna Taylor and and George Floyd, you know, their, the, the social uh, injustice statements they were making. And he said, you know, I'm going to reach out to LeBron and talk to him. I was like, man, you ain't going to call LeBron really? James and talk to him. LeBron James don't want to talk to your don't ass. Don't want to talk to him. Exactly. <laughs> you know, what are you going to say to LeBron James? Because LeBron James, is no, you, no, dude, you're wasting your time. But he, he, as Spike said, he's a punk ass, man. And he, he's a tag along and you along for the ride. But hopefully that ride is coming to an end soon. <laughs> coming to an end soon. So yeah, yeah. with that, let's segue into our next topic. Speaking of Breonna Taylor. Yeah, speaking of Breonna Taylor, uh, one of the cops uh, is bringing a lawsuit against Miss Taylor's boyfriend for... Uh, what is it? Uh, emotional, uh, emotional stress or distress. Like emotional stress. stress. And I, I saw that. I'm like, come on, man. Is this is this a joke? You fired into this woman's apartment, killing her, left her laying there, did not administer. And you're suffering from emotional stress because her boyfriend thought you fools are breaking up into their apartment. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're breaking into somebody's apartment at one, two o'clock in the morning. According to certain people, you didn't announce yourself. So if you broke up into my house, I'm thinking like, what the hell's going on? And he defended his property. He defended his girlfriend. He defended his house. But you're the one under emotional stress. Give me yeah. a break. man. Give me a break. 
I think he was maybe one of the he was the guy that got shot by and, uh, yeah got shot in the leg got shot in the leg yeah I think that's how it, how it was and he's feeling all poopy faced because he's feeling distress. <sighs> Brianna Taylor is not around and he's feeling distress. Right, right. You know, it goes back to the fact that you know cops can't really be charged with with crimes per se simply because um, it just happened. Now, if there's negligence and so on, those things can happen. But she's not around. Right. And right, he's yeah. distressed because he got shot in the leg and he survived. He's, he's suffering from PTSD because he survived. Is he, stru- is he suffering from PTSD because maybe somebody's calling him an asshole? He's responsible for her murder. Yep. He had a, a role to play in that. Is, is is that what he's distressed about? Or is it maybe he's having nightmares? I, he's distressed because he's going to sue the boyfriend? Yeah. Come yeah. on, man. Yeah. Really? Yep. Yeah. You're going to sue him? Because let's go back to our defend our territory. Uh, let's talk about, as you mentioned, somebody breaks into your house. And you think that you're going to be hurt? You have the right to defend yourself. That's right. Now you're talking about a level of emotional stress, man, because you don't know what's going on. Somebody breaking your door down, you can't see. It's dark. You don't know who's coming up in there. So he's he's out like man, he's scared, and so he like, hey, I got a license to carry. You know, I'm defending yep. my girlfriend. I'm defending my turf. So yeah, I'm scared. So he fired. And uh, and like he said, man, Brianna Taylor, she's not here. She's not here. Uh, but you uh, bring in some frivolous lawsuit because, I mean, come on, man. It's ridiculous. It is it is utterly ridiculous that the judge even said, man, throw this bullshit out the window, man. <laughs> I mean, it, come on. Come on. You broke up into somebody's house and someone was killed. And apparently... No one's going to be charged, it looks like. I mean, the way it's it's looking, the AG lied about some things to the grand jury. That's coming out now. And so the only thing you can find to charge the one individual with is because he fired into somebody else's apartment. Give me a break. Yep, yep. Give me a break. So I I hope they throw this out because it's it's ludicrous that uh, you're going to sue someone who— Again, he's defending his property. He is in his domicile, and he doesn't know who the hell is breaking up in his house. He has a licensed permit to carry that weapon. And But again, as we've said numerous times on this podcast, the Second Amendment don't apply to black folks. No. It don't apply to black folks. No. Uh, stand we, your ground. And stand your either. ground don't apply for black folks. We have seen that time and time again. And so here we are. Um, the court may allow this stand. I hope they don't. I hope sanity prevails in this and say, no, nah, man, we're we, we not going to waste the court's time with this foolishness. Nope. Yeah. Nope. 
So that's where that stands. We're going to keep an eye on that. Um, it is it is our uh, old hometown, and we like to keep abreast of things going on there. Um, any other thoughts on your mind tonight? You mentioned you had a couple other issues that warrant discussion. Those were the, the top four items on the uh, agenda tonight, but do you have any secondary issues? that? Uh, yeah, there's a news report out of um – I want to say out of Georgia or someplace, someplace down south. I think it was Atlanta. A couple went to an an upscale restaurant, maybe a Japanese restaurant or something like that. And uh, the maitre d' or the, uh, (laughs) I'm calling the consigliere. (laughs) 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 They, They asked this this couple to leave because the dress code supposedly you aren't supposed to wear sneakers. And so the major D slash consigliere basically said, you have to get out of our restaurant because it states that you aren't supposed to wear sneakers. And this couple just happened to be black. Yep. And the couple goes, what do you mean? I didn't even see it posted. Number one, number two, that that lady over there, she has on sneakers. And and the and the guy goes, sir, can and we go outside and talk about this. He goes, no, I'm not gonna go outside and talk about this. I'm gonna talk about this right now. You're throwing me out for sneakers, and that lady's got on sneakers right there. <laughs> You're not throwing her out. And and the guy goes, well, those aren't really. These sneakers, they got silver in them. He goes, what do you mean they got silver in them? They're sneakers. Whether you got silver, gold, they're painted purple, right. pink, orange, they're still sneakers. You're not throwing her out. It's, you know, it's just the idea that, you know, they backed themselves in a corner yep. and they did not want to say, my bad, man. Right. You know, we've let these people in, so... We're going to let you in, but, you know, from now on, we got to keep an eye on everybody, make sure that somebody comes in with sneakers, that we're going to treat everybody fairly, treat everybody equally. But guess what? They're not. They didn't treat the black folks equally. Nope. So black folks had to leave. And, of course, they called the cops. And I think they left before the cops got there. But the fact that there's people in wearing sneakers, that they were that weren't black and he was black. They threw the black folks out. I mean, it's I I hate to say that we only talk about race on our podcast, but <laughs> some of the things that are out there that happens across the track, we talk about them. Yeah, we're yeah. not afraid to talk about them. Yeah, and, uh, that's just. That's just what this podcast does. We want to talk about those issues. Right, and right. if people people feel that these are things that are upsetting them, that we talk about it all the time, then, you know, just click another podcast. Right. You know, but it's, so it, go it, ahead. It's, it, it's the fabric of this country, man. And I, I'll share with you a story to, that happened to me about a week or so ago. I'm at the bank, go to the bank to uh, deposit a check. And so... They're only letting so many people into the lobby. I think the number was five people. So I walk up. I'm the fifth person that would be allowed to go in when, you know, the lobby empties out where they can let five five more people in. 
So the security guard, little white girl, comes out. There's a lady there. Um, and she says, oh, what are you here for today, ma'am? And the lady says, well, I'm here to talk about something with her online banking, blah, blah, blah. And I think she had her husband with her, whatever. And then the next guy was a guy, and he had two kids with him. And um, they had, he had his guy and had a kid with him. And um, she said, what are you here for today, sir? And he said, well, I'm here to see um, one of the tellers. He had some money to check about his checking account, something about a deposit, whatever. Who knows? And I'm the fifth person. She asked all those four people why they're there. And then she turns and goes back into the bank. So I'm standing there like, what the hell? I know you see me here. I'm the only black guy standing in front of this building. Okay? So I'm like, okay, you you don't want to give me that courtesy? I'm going into the freaking bank. So I open the door to go in the bank. Here she comes. What are you here for today, sir? I said, you know what? If you had bothered to ask me when you came outside and asked those other four people, I would have told you then. But since you didn't bother, didn't care to ask me, I'm not telling you now either. So I go on into the bank and get in the line to have my check cashed. But it's crap like that, that you have to call bullshit on it when you see it. Because you can't tell me, one, those people in that restaurant did not see that white woman in there with sneakers on. Like you said, I don't give a damn what color they're painted. They're tennis shoes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And so, but you single out the black family or the black couple, whoever it is, you single them out. Why? And then you realize, oh, I don't, I didn't stepped in this. You can't say, Hey, I apologize. Yep. My bad. Let me correct that. It's always, you know what? Uh, we got to have some sensitivity training and we got to understand why we made you made the mistake because you're freaking racist. That's the bottom line. You know, you arbitrarily choose to treat black people a certain way. And I told I told my wife about it. I said I had to fire this little guard up at the bank because I know you saw me standing there. You saw me standing there. And you didn't bother to give me the same courtesy as you gave these other four people. So you got to call people on their bullshit. You got to call people on it. And then they're going to apologize and say, oh, I'm so. No, no, you're not. You, you, you got caught. And now you don't know what to say because I've called you on it. Yep. And so I, I'm glad the, the couple made a, uh, you know, made an issue of it. You know, and I guarantee if the police, if they'd have been there when the police had came, the issue probably would have turned south even more because it would have escalated and not not on the part of the couple. The police probably would have escalated the issue, you know, so it, we, we never get a break. We never get a break, man. We're always on guard. <laughs> always. <laughs> always. And needles on, all the time. You know, all we the time. Have, we're constantly in a state of. We have to be reserved in everything that we do yeah. simply because you don't know how folks are going to react to you. Yep. You yep. Know, and it's, it, it's stressful, man. It is. It is, it is stressful. stressful. It is know? stressful. And, and they say something like, well, you know, you're so quiet. Well, uh, I'm not that quiet. I'm just observing what the hell is going on. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like... Um, Probably two years ago, I may have told you this before, but two years ago, uh, maybe three, you know, I'm on the uh, Perry Township School Board. And, you know, every year, you know, they, you know, choose officers. And so 
the uh, president, vice president, secretary, and so on. That happens in January of every year. Well, I had been on the board for a year, and somebody was leaving. They weren't coming back. And the, the usually what happens is that the vice president becomes the president, the secretary becomes the vice president, and another secretary is chosen. So it kind of goes like that. That's kind of like a tradition, at least for this township, whatever. Well, the president at the time... Um, he was leaving office, and then the next January, they're supposed to you know, choose other candidates. And technically, you know, being wanting to do more or uh, to be successful, I said, this is a good time for me to maybe be the secretary, then vice president and president, whatever. Well, the guy that was the president there was something that went on behind behind the scenes that the president became the secretary and the secretary became the vice president and so on. Well, it kind of pissed me off. And I, you know, talked to the president and the vice president and basically said, look, you know, I was probably the person that should have been the secretary, and then we just moved through there. And they just said, well, you know, you know, Steve, that we didn't we didn't consider you because, you know, you're so quiet. And um, that that's just we just didn't just didn't consider it. I said, so what you're saying is that you three had already made your mind up. And, and normally the entire board talks about who wants to be who wants to run for office and stuff like that. So right. you three chose that. And I said, hell, you were just the president. Now you're going to be the secretary? And the <laughs> superintendent was in was in this room at the time. And I asked the superintendent, could you please leave for a minute? Because I want to talk to them. And so I told him like it was. You know, I said it the way I saw it. <laughs> right, right, right. You know? Absolutely. And Absolutely. so it kind of goes back to that. And it's just like the fact that you know, we're always the point I was trying to make is that we're always have to guard ourselves. You know, we can never let our guard down because something could could jump off at any point in time. Right. You right. know, and, and, and black folks have always been reserved and we will always be reserved just for that reason. You know, well. If 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 you if you do ratchet things up, then you're the angry black man or the angry black woman. Right. <laughs> you know that's right. the moniker you get tagged to you. Yep. So you you can't ever win. You cannot ever win. And again, here you are. You're trying to serve your community. You're 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 trying to be successful. <laughs> you know you are trying to be successful. And and you're being denied that opportunity because they didn't want to take the time to get to know you and, and know what what hey what can you bring to the table let's let's find out they've known you but uh, you you can't win if you'd have been loud you know gregarious you know that they usually think we are then you you'd be man we can't have that angry black man on the school board <laughs> you know. <laughs> Or we can't have that angry black woman in, you know, in here. And I guarantee you that's what a lot of 
I won't say all, but I, I bet a huge faction of white America thinks that about Kamala Harris, that she's going to be some angry black woman. If she gets an opportunity to become the VP, she's going to be some angry black woman. And we, we, we can never win, man. We can yeah. never win. Yeah. We can never win. You but know, it, it, again, you know, we don't want to be successful. I mean, you know, we we're just we're we're content to wallow at the bottom of the barrel, and uh, and not try to strive to be anything better than than we are. So, you know, that's what people think of us anyway. So yeah, and and, and it goes back to something else that that struck a chord within me is that a couple of weeks ago, you know, they they had the big bringing out of uh, Amy. Comey yeah. Barrett or whatever, and they had the yeah. big thing on the White House lawn, and all those people were out there, and all of them got, several of them got COVID and whatever. And if you remember, just think back for a minute, and they didn't wear masks, and then and then some of the folks that were there, I think there was one fly in the sugar bowl, and some of those folks who were there were doing fist bump. Yep. And the first thing that came to my mind is that when they put on the New Yorker magazine that caricature of Michelle Obama and President Obama giving a fist, a fist bump mm-hmm. when they're saying that this is something that is foreign in nature. Yep. You know, they're doing a fist bump and everybody blew up. On, on that, you know, yep. they're giving a fist bump. You know, yep. what kind of what kind of stuff is this? That's not American. And then right. now look at them; they're doing yeah. fist bumps, yeah. just, just like <laughs> they never said anything about right. uh, the 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 president and right. the first lady right. doing that because they did it. You right. know, that's yeah. un-American. But yet yeah. when they do it, oh, it's it's normal. It's it's the yeah. normal thing. Now yeah. now we're not blaming this on all white folks. We have white folks that listen to our podcast and there are good white folks out there we're talking about the sycophants we're talking about the people that are um how can i say the people that um that want to make our existence null and void yep you know and probably 30 percent of america 35 percent of america i'd say you know 35 percent of white america those are the people that we're kind of talking about, you know? Yeah, yeah. So no, anyway, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I, I agree with you, man. It's, it's, it's a faction of this country that uh, does not want to see any black and brown people, um, you know, have a, have a voice, you know, in anything that goes on in this country. And we, we see that we live it, we know it. And um, it's unfortunate, man, but uh, I want to, I want to backtrack you know, this this thing and we, we said we we're going to talk about it anymore, but I, I got to bring it up. The <laughs> fact that, okay. you know, we know countless and let's forget about some of the people we mentioned, the Oprah's and the Colin Powell's and the and the Ice Cubes and the Jay-Z's. Those people are out in the public eye. Yes, they are tremendously successful. But we know a lot of people from our old hometown who have worked their butts off to get where they are today. We had one of them on last week. Yep. And uh, man, she is a powerhouse in our hometown. She is a powerhouse in the community. And you can't tell me that she just, I just want to be mediocre and not achieve. No, she had a plan and she worked that plan. 
and she is highly successful. And we know a lot of other people in our hometown who serve in the community. They're, they're funeral home directors, they're coaches, they're educators, they serve in their church. They do a lot of tremendous things for the community. And, and you know, it, no, you're not on the cover of Vogue or Time. You don't have a multi-platinum CD out there, but you're doing good work in the community. And to me, that is success as well. You know, so I just wanted to throw that in, man, because that, yeah. that really pisses yep. me off, man, that 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 this guy thinks that, you know, we a lot of us have no ambition. And that is the biggest lie on top of the all the other lies that uh, his father-in-law has told for three and a half years. Uh, we'll add that to the barrel. Uh, but I just want to yeah. throw that out that we've got a lot of people in our hometown on both sides of the tracks that are tremendously successful and have worked their behinds off uh, to get to where they were. So it, it's a, it, it is a slap in the face to it's every black person fair. in this country that has uh, achieved something that they have worked for. They took advantage of the opportunities and uh, and they've they've been a success. And again, it's not about no much so much the visibility, but what, what are you doing uh, within your sphere that uh, you're making a difference? And I, I think that is a, um, that's how you measure success. What are you doing to make a difference in, in the lives of other people as well as, you know, you, you've done to improve yourself? So yeah. I just had to throw that in, man. Yeah. And, it's, and it's most of most of us, most of our folks that we're talking about from from E-Town, Hardin County, or all yep. the friends that we grew up with that have moved forward and has wanted to be successful, has created, you know, success within their families and within right. their communities. Yes. You know, there, 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 there are people that, you know, as you mentioned, there are coaches or teachers yep. or yep. Uh, business owners and their yep. kids are part of those businesses or right. their kids right. are, have gone on to be, uh, to be on the police force or to, yep. uh, you know, uh, own their own, uh, barbershop yeah, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So but yeah. the thing, the thing that goes, it goes back to too, and I, I've mentioned this before, and it's, it's a quote from James Brown in one of his songs is that James Brown says that I don't want nobody to give me nothing. Just open up the door. I'll get it myself. Yep. And so it's all about opportunity and right. there, there can't be opportunity Unless you want to be successful, you know, I don't want nobody to give me nothing. Open up the door. I get it myself. They're saying that I want to be successful. Right. right. I'm going to strive for success. Right. I'm going to make it a better day. I'm going to help out my community. I'm going to help myself out. I'm going to help my family out. I'm going to help out my church and so on. That's all part of that. Yep. Yeah, we we have seen, and you you can we we can go down the list, man. We see what happens when black people are given the opportunity. When black people are given the opportunity, as you said, James said, "Nah, man, don't give me. Just open the door. I'll go in there and I'll get it." We've seen when that door has been opened, black people walk in. They have been tremendously successful, but you know, for a long time, systematically, those opportunities have been denied uh, to black people, and so. Things have gotten better. We, we, I think we can agree with that. Things have gotten better. And, and that door gets opened wider each and every day. And we know countless numbers of black people that have like, hey, I'm going in that door. I'm, I'm, go, I'm going to take that opportunity. I'm going to run with it. And then, um, you know, then you can say, hey, yeah, I, I, I arrived. I'm successful. 
And, you know, I'm going to try to, you know, give back to whatever I have been fortunate to give. I'm going to try to give some of that back. So, um, yeah, that is awesome. That is awesome. And that that's the way it is. We know that's how it is. Um, I, I, I don't know if you heard this story this week, and, and we're a little bit past the top of the hour, but uh, Tony La Russa is back in baseball. I don't know if you is heard. Is that right? Uh-uh. Tony La Russa is back in baseball. 76 years old. Hasn't coached. I think the last time he coached was probably, I think, when the Cardinals won the World Series, if my memory is correct. But Tony La Russa is 76 years old. Great coach, good guy, whatever. But I know and you know <laughs> there are qualified minority coaches out there that have been toiling their asses off as first base coaches, batting coaches, pitching. They'll never get an opportunity to be a head coach in Major League Baseball. But this guy's been out of baseball for umpteen years, almost 80 years old. You can't find a minority coach. You bring this guy back? That's that's what Kushner doesn't understand, is that there are opportunities available. When those opportunities arise, a lot of times we don't get that call. We don't get that call. So we continue to toil as you know, assistance and, you know, other things, you know, how long does it take for us to get an opportunity to be a head coach in the NBA, MLB, NFL? You know, we don't get those calls a lot of time. So I I thought that was like, what? He's coming, you know, 76 years old. You're you're bringing, come on, man. You can't find a, a minority coach out there to give an opportunity. It just, it boggles my mind. Yep. Yep. Well, I'll tell you about since seeing that the last time that we uh, talked, let's let's talk about this guy. This is kind of uh, getting off the subject, and these things are talking about success. Uh, Dave Roberts, you know, he's he was the manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yep. And last week, the Los Angeles Dodgers won the World Series. Yep. Yep. And so, you know, open up the door. I get it myself. You know, and if I'm not uh, if I'm not wrong, I think that uh, Magic Johnson is part owners of the Los Angeles Dodgers. He is. Yep. And so, you know, Magic has talk about successful. Magic has his had his own uh, theaters. Yep. He's has his own. Uh, he's part owner of the L.A. Dodgers. Yep. Uh, he's always been in and out of, uh, you know, uh, basketball for forever. Yep. So you, you you can't say that they don't achieve. Just give them an opportunity. Give us give an opportunity, opportunity, man, and an and, and we'll make it right. Yep. Give an opportunity. You Again, know. I, I, Kushner don't know. He don't know no black people, man. He don't know no black people. He doesn't know any black people that that would would say, you know what? That's a dumb statement. He even if he knew some black people, knew. I'm not talking about somebody you see on the TV or whatnot. Do you know some black people that you can say, yeah, man, that person right there, they're successful. He don't know no black people. Yeah. Otherwise, you wouldn't make a dumbass statement like that. Yeah. You would yep. make it that because you know nothing about. Black people, period. You know nothing. 
And so I, we, we hate to come back to that, but it's an irritant for us, man, because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's an irritant because we know that is a lie. We know that is a lie. And uh, for him to even be given airtime to make such a dumbass statement, it's like, come on, man, come on. You know, so I think we've beat that horse to death um, and it may linger after we <laughs> go off the air. Uh, but it, it, it's it's just come on. We you, you got to know what you're talking about. And from that statement, you obviously you don't have a clue. You don't have a clue about anything that goes on in and around with black people. So we'll leave it at that. All right, brother. It sounds All right. good. So, All right. you know, as we start to close up. You know, this this uh, episode, I'd just like to say that, you know, you've got a couple of days before uh, this election comes to a head. And if you haven't already sent in uh, absentee ballot or whatever, don't do it now. Just go stand in line, go to your normal voting place. If it takes you all day. Go there, stand there, bring you a chair, uh, bring you something to snack on, and uh, we need you to vote. Uh, Lynn and I stood in line for three hours last Saturday, and um, we did our civic duty. Even though there are people that are trying to take away our our rights to vote, uh, are delaying our right to vote or suppressing our right to vote because of making people stand in line. They just figure that, you know, some folks are just going to give up and go back home. And then that's one vote that's not counted. Well, don't think in those terms, get your butt there. As long as it's before the uh, place starts to close, get in line and exercise your right to vote. There's a whole lot of people that sacrifice for us to vote. And there are a whole lot of people that will try to take that away from from you and us simply because they are afraid of the political power that we have. So get out there, vote. Uh, I'm praying and hoping that there is a turnout that's favorable for America and not favorable for a selfish individual. And um, that's that's. That's what I can say about that. Cool. And I, uh, as the great Smokey Robinson says, I second that emotion, my friend. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, we are hoping for a great outcome this Tuesday. And again, if you have not, get out there, exercise your civic duty, your constitutional right, and vote in this election. It is probably going to be the most important election of our lifetime. Uh, A lot of things riding on this. Democracy is on the line. Decency is on the line. Honesty is on the line. Health care is on the line. Whole lot of things that are on the line. And so your voice is your vote. And so as we always say here on the Across the Tracks podcast, we say it like we see it. We're going to continue to do that. Uh, If you want to be a part of this experience, let us know. Hit us up on our Facebook page. Drop us an email, a text, whatever. Uh, we'd love for you to come on and share your opinions. Uh, we're, we're open. We're an equal opportunity podcast. So we're here. We're not going anywhere. And so um, that's all I got for tonight, my brother. That's all I got for tonight.
All right, all right, all right. My my, my man, my man. <laughs> We're part of the E Town clan. Yes, sir. Class of nineteen seventy five. Seventy five. From from the bottom in the mile street. So that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> With that, I'd like to say Chiliamo Dopo. And I would like to add Wakanda forever. <laughs>